I hope you can already sense that God has, in fact, designated this time as a divine appointment with all of us. And that there are things that He wants to speak into our lives about and touch us at deep places about. Having said all that, I recognize that some of you, for these weeks of our series around steps to a reasonably happy life, you've been doing a lot of work. And you have been engaging the process, you've been engaging your small group, you've been uh, having some accountability friends around you, and you've done inventories and confessed sins, and uh, some of you are really, really interested in finding that easy button right now. Could it possibly, Scott, get easier at this point? We have done a lot of work. And the answer is no. <laughs> and, and, you know, when I, when I thought about how would we even get into today's subject, I'm thinking, I, I know there's a little life work fatigue in the room. I've got a little bit. But as I began to think about the Scriptures, and I was reflecting over so many of the Bible stories that have meant so much to me through the years, I tried to reflect, where is that place that God ever said to one of His men or to one of His women, okay, it's been hard enough, now it's going to get easier. Never said it. Never said it. You'll recall way back in our beginnings, That after humanity had a fall, the sense of brokenness and wickedness and violence one against another increased to such a point, God said, you know what, i got to start all over. We're starting this thing all over. And he tapped a guy, a righteous guy by the name of Noah, and he said, I want you to build me an ark. I want you to fill it with animals. Put your family in there. I'm going to have to start this whole thing all over again. I'm going to start it with you and your descendants. And uh, there will be a great flood, uh, but the ark will be your salvation, and I'll deliver you through that. And when that's over, you guys will start humanity all over again. And to show you how committed I am to you and that I'm in covenant with you, I place my rainbow in the sky. Every time you see that rainbow... You know, my commitment, my covenant with you. And as you know, as history continued to progress, wickedness and brokenness and violence against one another began to multiply again and again. And so God then came along and tapped another man, another righteous person by the name of Abram, later known as Abraham. And he said, you know what, I'm going to make a covenant with you. I'm going to make your descendants my people. And I'm going to have a special relationship with you and with uh, your descendants through all the generations to come. And through you, I'm going to seek to reconcile with this world and bless this world and to show you my commitment to you and my covenant with you. You're going to be circumcised. And Abram said... Noah got a rainbow. Um, (laughs) Could we like have a secret handshake or something? Uh, And ever since then, circumcision has been a mark of covenant and commitment and relationship with God 
pressing on and pressing forward through very hard situations and circumstances through the hardness of life. Only, as the Apostle Paul began to help us understand, circumcision is way more than some kind of physical act of obedience. It's a matter of the heart. It's something that God does on the heart. And so he told us in Romans 2.29, true circumcision is not merely obeying the letter of the law. Rather, it is a change of heart produced by God's Spirit. And that is, friends, what we have been engaged in for these weeks. He has been circumcising our heart. He has been cutting deeply and He has been removing, with your cooperation, resentments and fears and shame and guilt. Removing, cutting, excising these things out of you so that He then can replace it with forgiveness with hope, with power and peace and serenity. And so for a lot of us, the serenity prayer has become very important. For, for a lot of us, we've come to pray this prayer often. Perhaps you want to pray it with me now. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Living one day at a time, enjoying one moment at a time, accepting hardship as a pathway to peace, taking as Jesus did, this sinful world as it is, not as I would have it, Trusting that you will make all things right if I surrender to your will. So that I may be reasonably happy in this life and supremely happy with you forever in the next. Amen. So we've been identifying these steps that we believe, that we trust, that we hope will result in us being reasonably happy in this life, supremely happy in the next. So how is God uh, going to continue this journey with us? What's it all about right now? Well, today's step is about repairing relationships. This week you'll read another chapter in your life's healing choices. You'll begin to debrief that in your small group. You should have received a program when you walked in the door today. And inserted in that program is the discussion guide for your small group experience this week. So we want to encourage you to be sure and take one of those home with you. Do some reading, do a little reflecting, a little bit of writing, and, and engage your group in a meaningful way about this subject of repairing relationships. As the song said a moment ago, there's something between you and me. There's, there's something between some people that have hurt me, that have hurt you. And so one of the things that repairing relationships is going to be about is forgiveness. Where I will access the grace of God in such a way that I can give forgiveness to someone else. Jesus said it this way in His Sermon on the Mount, Happy are the merciful, 
Matthew 5, 7. You're going to be on that road to a reasonably happy life. You'll be engaging me in those kinds of ways where I can work blessing and happiness within you when you are full of mercy. Will you extend mercy and forgive those that have hurt you? And I don't say that lightly for a moment. I know some of you, you're going, well, who do I need to forgive? I'm not talking to you particularly right now. I'm talking to the one who has no question who has hurt you, who has wounded you, who's devastated you perhaps. Will you lean into God and look to God and trust God so that He can bring mercy to you that you can extend to someone else? And another part of repairing relationships then is Acknowledging I've hurt some people. And I must come to a place where I acknowledge those that I have hurt and I will take steps to make amends with them to make right the wrong that I've done to them. And again, in Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, He said, Happy are the peacemakers, those who will do the relational work of building bridges back with one another and making amends. So that's what today and what this week is going to be about. It's going to be about relational repairs. Will you look to God and experience God in ways that He'll help you to forgive others and help you to come clean with others so that they might forgive you? I'd like for us to take just the next few minutes to couch our conversation on this subject with the word amends. And the first thing that we want to get into when we think about amends, the A, is admit the hurt and the harm. Now this is like week one. Week one, we said, you know what, we're going to be tremendously challenged for this series to mean anything to us unless we break through Denial. And many of us, if not most of us, have learned to cope, to manage life's situations and pains with denial. Let's just deny the reality of how hard this is. And so as Rick Warren has put it, uh, we'll either repress hard things, that is to say, we'll deny that it's very painful and, and, and that it hurts us very much, or we'll suppress the hard things, minimize it, say it's no big deal, or we can confess and agree with God and agree with reality. This is hurtful and harmful. Now, um, when I had to come to this point of admitting about someone that had hurt me, I was totally into suppression. A few years ago, I was uh, with my share group, and I did a little bit of my life story with them and told them a little bit about some things that had taken place with my father that I mentioned a few weeks ago and some of the abandonment issue that I have around that. And when the share group time was over and we were having a little coffee and chit-chat and what all that, you know, before we left... One of my friends came up to me and said, Scott, what do you think is next between you and your father, with whom I had no relationship? We were estranged and had been estranged for decades. 
And I said, well, there, there is no next step. He doesn't really want to have anything to do with my life, and, I, and so I don't have anything to do with his life, and we just kind of, you know, that's, that's the way it is. Scott, she said, I know there's got to be something more there than that. And I said, you know what? I, I appreciate your concern, but it, that's just all that I've ever known. I've never known him in my life, and so it really is no big deal. Suppression. Minimizing. And she was gracious enough to leave it at that. You know, wasn't like pushing me around to do whatever. Just, okay, fine. That question haunted me for about two years. Every now and then I would think about my father and my friend's question would come ringing in my head. What's the next step? What's God want you to do about that relationship? I didn't even know where the man was in the world. I had no idea where he was. And one day in my prayer time, I sensed God saying, I want you to make a contact with him. And I was like, but what for? Because there's no issue there. You know, how you can tell God there is no issue, I'm not sure. <laughs> but I did. And uh, he said, oh, yeah, yeah, I want you to find him and meet with him. And so long story short, I went through a little process to kind of investigate where, I, where in the world he was. And I found out that he was in a city in West Tennessee, had been for years, not far from where other family members of mine live. And within a few weeks, I was already scheduled to go to Nashville for a conference. And so I knew when I'm in Nashville, God wants me to drive over. And see my father. And so a few days before I made that trip, I called him up on the phone. It's the first time that we had talked in decades. You with me? And I, you know, identified myself as Scott, your son. How weird is that? <laughs> and um, said, I, I'm going to be in your area uh, in a few days. And I'm wondering, would it be all right if I came by and saw you? And he agreed. He said, okay. And so I made the Nashville trip, did the conference, and had tacked on a couple of days to the end of it, drove over, spent a day with him. And here's what God had already begun to do in my heart. In these days between that initial prayer and then making a trip, God had begun to bring to my mind memories that I had suppressed and ill feelings and hurts and wounds that I had. And it was kind of raw. Didn't feel good at all. Thank you very much, God, for bringing all that up. And then God was like, but I want you to come to a point where you can not only acknowledge these feelings, I want you to forgive him. And before I ever drove into his driveway and stepped into his house, God had already graced me to extend forgiveness. I also had a few questions. And so when we sat down, I asked him a few questions. How come this happened this way and that happened that way and, and so on? But you know, in the course of the conversation, he actually came to a point where he said, I wronged you and hurt you about this. Will you forgive me? I totally didn't expect that. But God had already 
worked in my heart so that I could extend forgiveness. It leads me to say in the second place, we not only have to admit, acknowledge hurt and harm, but then we need to get a little formal with it. We need to put it before us in a way that we can't rationalize it and, and repress it again or suppress it again. And so we make a list. Now, if you did the inventory with us a couple of weeks ago, you're well down the road. Because if you did like the five-column thing that I talked about, in column one, you've got some names there of people that hurt you. And around which you've had some resentments or other ill feelings and so on. In column five, you'll have some names of people you hurt. So you're already well along the way if you did the inventory list with us uh, a couple of weeks ago. But if you didn't do that, then let me encourage you to do this. Get a sheet of paper, maybe the insert that's in your program today, and on the back side, just write down a name or two. This person hurt me. And then a little lower on the page, a name or two. This is a person I hurt. Make a list. And just pray and say, God, anything you want to have happen in me or through me about these names. And I'll leave it between you and God at that point. Nobody pushed me about it. Nobody here is going to push you about it. But here's what I discovered when I did my little time with my father. Is that... If a person has hurt me, and God's doing a work in me to forgive them, the offender having remorse is not necessary. You go, how can I forgive so-and-so when they're not even sorry? Because God is at work in you in that way. Because God wants you to be healed of your hurt. Because God wants to free you from the baggage that that wound still has encumbering you. And so, I, you know, I'm so grateful that my little scenario with my father turned out the way that it did. But if I'd come in and he was this arrogant, non-caring, you know, whatever, that had really no connect and no remorse, I still would have forgiven him. God had already begun to work in me in that kind of way. So it's not dependent upon the offender's remorse. And it's not dependent upon the offender being worthy of your forgiveness. How do you know if you really forgive? How do you know if you really release that person and that offense to God? You want to see them blessed. You want to see it well with them. And that was one of the gifts that came to me in the course of our conversation on that day. Because I saw by his own words what a busted life he had. I had no clue. And, I, and, and God actually worked compassion in my heart toward Him. And I left that day wanting with all my heart to see God somehow break through and bless Him and make a difference in His life. And some things happened for Him later, and that's another story for another time. And we're good. And so here's how that whole forgiveness thing works. It, it's not dependent on the offender being remorseful or sorry or wanting your forgiveness. And it is reflective of the fact that you want to see that person 
squared up with God and know a blessing from God. And you may have to do it more than once. You remember that little conversation Peter had with Jesus one day and, and Jesus was talking about forgiveness and reconciliation and things like that. And, and, you know, Peter kind of put it out there with a little, you know, pride that how he'd forgiven some people. And, and I, I would do that even up to seven times. You know, right, Lord? And the Lord said, eh, how about 70 times seven? In other words, you may have to do it over and over and over. And I legitimately forgave my father on that day that I met with him in his home. But you know what? Occasionally, months later, years later, I would have a situation where I would think, I wish I had a father in my life to talk to about that. Or something would go on with my kids and I would think, oh, I wish they had a, a grandfather in their life that would care about that. You know what I'm saying? So like the grief would hit me freshly about what I didn't have. And then, you know, a little resentment thing would pop up right with that. And so I would have to forgive all over again. I have forgiven him dozens and dozens and dozens of times. You make a list and you allow God to work that process in you and it will thoroughly begin to deliver and free your heart. The E word in amends is encourage one another. All throughout John's story that we heard a moment ago, all throughout my story, through many of your stories, are people around us that love us, that are in community with us, that cheer us on, that pray for us. The Scriptures say, Let us consider how we may spur one another toward love and good deeds. Hebrews 10.24 This is why there's no such thing really as Lone Ranger Christians. God designed us to be in relationship with one another, to be in community with one another, and that's how we work out the stuff of life, is in relationship with each other. And so when I made my experiences with my father happen, I had all kinds of people praying for me. Not just here. I mean, I called former church friends in other states and said, Here's what's happening. Pray for me. I have people all over the place praying for me, supporting me, encouraging me. And when some of you say to me, God's leading me to go and, and do a reconnect with someone and a forgiveness thing, or He's leading me to go and make amends with someone, most of the time I'll say to you, when's that going to happen? What time? Because I'm going to pray for you on that day and in that hour. Because I know what that stuff's like. Let us encourage one another. And then the N in that amends stands for, it's not for them. Now, if they get blessed by it, that's great. I pray that they get blessed by it. But primarily, it's about me. It's about you. It's about what God is doing with us. I don't know how it's going to turn out with my dad that day. I just had an idea about what God wanted to have happen with me. Now, on my list, I have a couple of women that I dated before I got married. I didn't always treat them with honor and respect. I had some friends that I'd gone to school with that sometimes I had just brutalized with a sarcastic tongue. I, I mean, I, it just came to a point where God had to say, no more sarcasm. Because I, I just had no good control over it. 
uh, I had to go and make amends with my parents, with my mother and my stepfather, because my high school years were torture for them. It was kind of torturous for me, too. I mean, it, it was like hell for everybody. But for them, it was just, I, when I look back on it later as a parent, I'm like, oh, God, help them. You know, I, I hurt them so many times and in so many ways, and I had to go make amends with them. But, but all these people that I had to, to square stuff up with, it really, I, I, I hope that it would be meaningful to them and be helpful to them. But primarily, it was about me squaring some stuff up with God. It's not for them. And then the D in amends stands for do it at the right time. Ecclesiastes 3.1 says there's a right time for everything. And so there's also a wrong time for a lot of things. Uh, you can't do this without God's Spirit directing you, guiding you, prompting you, giving you words, giving you opportunity, giving you the timing. So there was one particular person that God brought to my heart that I had hurt significantly. And uh, up there with the A, I had to fully admit and acknowledge the hurt and the harm that I had done. I'd kind of repressed and suppressed it, minimized it, made it not so much of a big deal. And God said, no, no, this was a deep wounding that you did to this person. And I felt remorseful. I felt guilt and shame. I asked God to forgive me. And I didn't have a clue where this person was. I didn't know where he lived and what his life was like or anything else. And uh, so I was like, God, I, so I don't even know what you want me to do about this. And he just said, trust me. So I kind of came to this point in my relationship with God that I said, okay, Lord, if I ever have the opportunity to see him and to connect with him about this, I want to and I will. Within a short period of time, of months, I ran into this guy in another city. And we had both been in meetings that were in the same proximity. And we're literally walking down the hall and we cross paths. And I'm like, wow, hey. And I tried to greet and, you know, the guy acted cordial. And I was in between meetings, and he was running to something else. And I said, um, wow, any chance that maybe later tonight we could reconnect for just a minute? I mean, there's really something I'd like to say to you. And he was gracious enough to say, okay. And later that night, I was able to see this guy and be confessional and repentant and ask for his forgiveness, and he was gracious enough to give it. Timing. Boy, God just did. I mean, there's no way you could have planned something like that to happen. God worked it. And then the S in amends stands for start living the promises. What are the promises? That He wants to save you. That He wants to heal you. That He wants to free you from resentments and fears and shame and guilt. Hurt, wounds. And so when we talk about this process, I know there is this tendency to go, you know, I've 
I've prayed about this. I've confessed it to God. I even went the extra mile. I confessed it to another person. I mean, how much more do I, is really necessary? Do I really need to do? Where's that easy button? And I just want to say, friends, it, it's all about do you want to be healed? Do you want to be free? Do you want to have the fullness of life that Jesus died on a cross to give you? Some of these things are going to seem and feel impossible to you. Whether you're going to try to forgive someone that's been awful to you, or whether you're going to try to seek forgiveness and make restitution or whatever you need to do for those that you have wronged. Some of it's going to seem impossible. All I can tell you is that God's all about it. When you start engaging Him and pursuing Him and following Him in these kinds of ways, He is going to do the miraculous in and around you. Not that it will be easy. It will still be hard. But He will be empowering and facilitating things along the way. One of the things, I made a, so many bad choices when I was in high school. I made a lot of bad choices. And one of those was I got totally hooked up into shoplifting. I stole a bunch of stuff. Just because I wanted to, just because I wanted the stuff. And sometime later, you know, when I was squaring my life up with God, and I'm, I'm working this whole process and working these steps, I'm having a little prayer time and writing my journal, and God said, you remember all that stuff you stole? And I, I hadn't. I hadn't thought about it for a long time. And so I'm like, you know, it's painful. Yeah, I'm thinking about that. Yeah, that was, oh, I can't. Yeah, I remember. I want you to make that right. Well, how? I mean, that was a long time ago. I don't even live in that city anymore. And God was like, well, you trust, you trust me. Trust me. And so I had to do the life work at that point that brought me to a point that I say, okay, God, whatever you want me to do, that I'm going to do it. I am going to fully cooperate with whatever you lay out there for me to do at whatever point. And at that, I had peace. I had release. But later, in one of my prayer times, you go, well, stop praying, Scott. It, it was too important. In one of my prayer times, I'm praying about something else. And God broke in and said, oh, by the way, that shoplifting thing that I brought to your attention, you know, a few weeks ago, now we're going to do something about it. I'm like, oh, okay. And here's how it happened, friends. I've told some of you this story before. God began to bring to my mind every item, everything I ever stole. Every store from which I had taken it. And the amount, the cost of every one of those items. And I wrote all of that down. You know, this thing costs that much, this store, this thing costs that much. This. I wrote it all down. And God said, now I'm going to arrange for you to go back and have a little visit in Memphis. And while you're there, I want you to go to every store. I want you to seek out the manager in every store. And I want you to tell him you're my follower. You're squaring it up with me. And this is what you did, and you want to do whatever is necessary to make it right. Now, the first thought in my mind was not, 
God is so awesome. I can't believe He just spoke to me that way. Look at all the clarity. Look at all the specificity. God is so good. <laughs> no, the first thing in my mind, headline, minister, shoplift. Because I'm thinking, I go back and talk to some of these guys, security, come and get this guy. I mean, I, no kid, I had no idea what would happen in any of those places that I was going to return to. But I did it. I didn't care. With respect to me being uh, square with God, if it got really bad, really ugly, really embarrassing, I just knew this is what God said do and I was going to do it. I don't even like telling you the story right now. And so I went back to every one of those places. I sought out the manager in every one of those places. Sometimes those guys made me wait and wait and wait and wait and wait before they'd see me. I'd just stick it out. Then the guy would come and he'd be in pain. Yeah, what can I do for you? Hey, I'm Scott Brewer. I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. I'm trying to square my life up with Him. And on such and such a date, I stole such and such an item from your store. And it costs this much. I'm here to do whatever is necessary for me to make that right. That was my speech. Gave it everywhere I went. And some of those guys responded by, Okay, well, that'll be so much tax and you, uh, I'll take this much money from you. A couple of them said, well, you know, we closed our books so long ago, it doesn't matter, but thanks for coming by anyway. Somebody else said, well, just take that same amount of money and put it in the offering at your church this Sunday, and so I did. Somebody else was like, is this a publicity stunt? Is this like a, is this going to be on the news or something in the newspaper? You know, there's all kinds of responses. None of it mattered. What mattered was that I was following through with what God had been leading me and prompting me to do about making amends and making wrongs right. And if one of those had turned out to be uh, security, will you come get this guy? That's the way it would have been. The question is, do you want to be healed? The question is, do you want to know peace? And serenity. No kidding. You know, this is what I do. I speak in churches. There were years that I used to have dreams about speaking in a church and seeing my father come in the back door and walk down the aisle. And I was in fear and terror of that. There was all these other relational mess things that I had that I thought, man, if people ever found out that kind of stuff, there goes the respect. There goes the, you know, role of leader in that. I've been healed of that stuff. I have been given peace and serenity about that stuff. I have freedom about that stuff. Sometimes when these politicians are being vetted for whatever their next, you know, aspiration is and these little skeleton things are coming out I mean do you ever think about that gosh I hope nobody ever gets into my closet holy cow man my, my closet door has been busted open those little skeletons have already been drug out you may not know about them all but somebody else knows all, all about them God knows all about them 
And if somebody tries to bring some of that back to me, I'm like, man, that stuff's forgiven. That is squared with God. Sometimes I have the enemy in my soul remind me of something I did to someone at some point, and I began to have this twinge of a little shame, a little bit of guilt, and then just like that, God's Spirit comes and says, forgiven, cleansed, squared up. And that's free. That's powerful. I know we're tired. Want the easy button. Oh God, can't it just get a little bit lighter? Keep on keeping on. Let go. Let God. See what the next chapter in the story of your life becomes. Let's pray. Oh God, I just pray the spirit of encouragement upon my friends today. Let them not grow weary in well-doing. Stir them on. Speak into their lives. Breathe and inspire. Empower. God, let us continue down this road, this journey, all the way to where you want to take us. We don't want to be anything less than the man, the woman, that you breathed life into us to become. In Jesus' name, amen.